hey, you're listening to Chew On That, and here's what we're chewing on today. I want to talk to you today about another coincidental chronological alignment. I want to continue talking to you about Paul's story, but particularly how it incorporates his friends Priscilla and Aquila in a message we're calling The Purpose. Welcome to Chew On That. My name is Pastor Scott, and you are joining us for the podcast where we break down and break apart and talk about and chew on the sermon from the most recent Sunday uh, message uh, at Life Church Green Bay. Today, my guest is my very dear friend, Jill. Say hi, Jill. Hi, Scott. It's good to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. So a lot of people don't know you, but I know and love you. And so maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, all right. Don't know where to go. But yeah, I uh, have known you for a little over a year and a half now, probably. Um, not originally, nor do I participate, have I, at Life Church in De Pere. You, I met you through Alpha. Yeah. And uh, actually, what ended up happening was I was sort of in between where I wanted to be worshiping and practicing my faith and just asking a lot of questions, looking for the purpose, which is so funny that that's been the big message, especially yeah. this weekend. I yeah. thought that was pretty awesome. Um, so I... Uh, I came to Life Church downtown with you. You talked to me about it, and I fell in love with the idea and the concept, and have been a part of that ever since. And I'm really enjoying that opportunity. My husband joined me, came along, and yeah. now we both are pretty active, both yeah, in the ministry that. and everything. So my kids are as well, but with their lives, they're so busy. But we do try to stay as active as we can. So, That's so cool. grew up in the Green Bay area here. Um, Left for a short time, lived in Washington State, and moved back, which is kind of funny because a few of our very good friends that we've made in Life Church were also in the Northwest Territory, yeah, yeah. only to also find out Sonny and Sean yeah. were in the Northwest Territory. Yep. So we're thinking that there's definitely some kind of path being drawn there. We're not That's sure cool. what's happening, but yeah. I love that. And you were you were born and raised Catholic. Yes? I was Roman Catholic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Went to St. Joseph's Academy. Not by choice, huh? Sorry, Mom. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I went to St. Joe's Academy, and at that time all girls for those people who remember that um they merged those schools about oh quite a while back in the late 90s i think then i went to uh saint norbert and uh that's where i was ever since taught religious education in fact for about a dozen years Mm. in the downtown area uh with the churches and um Loved it because teaching is my forte. That's my background. So, That's cool. Yeah. Tell me what you like about Life Church downtown. Oh my gosh, there's so many cool things about Life Church downtown. I think the biggest thing I like about it is it's not traditional service of any kind. Um, Sean has a fantastic way and as do you then, of sharing the message. I mean, you do such a great intro, wrap up, you connect everything. The way he brings the story or the message across Mm is very realistic, more of what's really happening in our lives. Not that what happened back then when it was happening was pertinent. I think there's just a constant thread that it always shows its importance. So I think there's that. But I think what's even cooler about it is when growing up and being so involved in faith that I was, I never felt I was comfortable able to question truly question. It was always, well, this is what they said, or this is how it's interpreted. These people have been trained to do all of these things. You need to just follow their, their thought process, their ways. And I was never like that. I always challenged everything. I questioned things and I was blessed to have people allow me to do that Mm -hmm. in my learning. So what's really cool is I can do that in downtown. That's how we have it set up that we can literally sit 
with family, friends, strangers who become friends and family and literally have a conversation about how this impacts us now. And sometimes we can stay on one single thread. Sometimes we get off on tangents and go on other directional threads. I feel it's just all God's way of keeping us connected, really, and helps us to see that we're not alone going through some of these things, that there's support, that we don't have to be afraid to try to show our real selves and have that discussion, an honest discussion. They don't come easy, but when they happen, it is very fulfilling. It's yeah. very like catharsic. It's like, wow, yeah, that, yeah. did that just really happen? That yeah. was that was awesome. I, love that. I, I do love too. That. I do too. Hmm. Thanks for sharing. So mm-hmm. uh, like I said, we're going to uh, listen to some sound parts uh, from Sean's most recent message, uh, and then we'll talk about him. So let's listen to that first cut. All right. And I get it, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a Bible nerd. Maybe these little map markers don't jack you up like they do me. I mean, you could easily shrug something like Priscilla and Aquila Day off and and say like, what does that matter to me? Or you can look at it like God is giving these little markers to remind you that he's always directing our paths. That the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in that person's way that he's interested in every little detail of your life, even the ones you're not. So that, you know, I think of, uh, like, I love that Trump makes this point. And I, I think of like how hindsight is twenty twenty. that it's easier to look back on our lives and see all the places where God had his hand on our lives or our path or shut or open doors or shut or open windows. Like it's, it's so easy to do that, you know, in hindsight, it's much harder to do that you know, in every day, because you just feel like this is a really crappy situation, or I can't believe I'm in this garbage, or I can't believe blah, blah, blah. And it's hard to see God's hand in that. But I wonder, you know, like we talked about last night at LC downtown, is there, were there places in your life where you're like, clearly God had ordered my steps here that I didn't know what was happening. But looking back on it now, I can see God's hand on that. Yeah, I think so. In fact, um, even as, as Sean was speaking last week and the week before, he was discussing as he gets all excited with those map markers, which is such a a fun, cool way to identify that. Because I I thought it was interesting that you brought up um, Priscilla and Aquila's day being honored in in the faith. Yeah, I I had no idea. I mean, I know, and this is going to sound terrible growing up Roman Catholic, there is a feast for every single day and then some. Sometimes they overlap. Um, I had honestly not really paid much attention to the Priscilla and Aquila feast day. It's also the day of my nephew, his birthday. Hmm. He turned 10 on this last July 8th. And I was thinking to myself, this is so weird that this is happening and it's my nephew's birthday. All these other things that that Sean is bringing forward are definitely connections or reminders or somehow guiding the direction of, of a purpose that there must be going on. And the reason that I say that is because Priscilla amazes me. She is this person who leaves a life because of her spouse, the man that she falls in love with, the man that she's committed to. And I have I have a, a similarity to that. And we right. can talk about that later with a few other bites that might come up. Um, and I could really connect with her as Sean was, was sharing the story and the things that were happening. Well, but I'm, You're both Italian. 
Well, of course. And that's probably the biggest connector. How did you pick up on that so fast? Yes, all us Italian women, we just follow our man. But uh, definitely, we um, we definitely have that in common. And the fact that we're both teachers, that mm. we both are, are led to a role of inspiring, of educating, of sharing, and yeah. rejoicing in people's successes and helping them in their failures. We're drawn to that. We're drawn to helping people understand the better. I'm struggling right now with some things in my personal life with family that does involve my nephew. And I'm thinking to myself, all these little things seem to be falling in connection. And I know that there is, there's purpose to that and there's reason to that. And there's little messages somewhere in there because I have been spending a lot of time in prayer trying to find the words and the will to try to deal with the circumstance yeah. that's very personal for me. And so I, I realized that that push, these these little map markers, he's God's guiding me in that direction to show me that now's the time. Now's the time to tape that leak of faith. I'm here with you. I've got this. Um, look at all the things that Priscilla picked up and took on clueless, taking on a church, right. you know, and having to lead and be an example, having to have a critical conversations, if you will, you know, as she was redirecting individuals who thought they knew what they were talking about. And she had to help them better understand or give them a better picture of what was really happening with the hopes that they would then have better knowledge and education to move forward. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I was looking at that. So as he's talking about these markers, there's been a lot of them in, in our lives. And, and my husband and I've talked about that, these connections, you know, it's like, yeah. where, where did that come from? Just yeah. out of nowhere. You know, that was amazing to me. So that's kind of what was hitting me there. Yeah. Cause it's reassuring to me, you know, and I know that, you know, like Sean said, you might just be able to write this off or just, you know, call it a cute coincidence or whatever, but it's a, it's, it's, I feel like it gives me hope that I know, because I feel like I'm the kind of person, you know, that would get lost easy. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, lose my way. Like there was that guy on Gilligan's Island, wrong way. Something. Wrong way Feldman. Was it wrong way Feldman? <laughs> right. Like he just, you know, he just kept getting lost in his airplane. I feel like that's totally me. And so I love, you know, ha having God like leave reminders or leave breadcrumbs or leave, mm -hmm. you know, little map flags. You know, it says, hey, you're, you're doing okay, man. You or know? just when you put something out of the back of your mind, you go, I'll focus with it later. All of a sudden you kind of bring something up and he's like, hey, you haven't dealt with this yet. Yeah. And you need to focus on this. Yeah. And now is really becoming a time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I do too. I think that's really awesome. So Lady Prissa, she was put out of Rome because of her husband, because she married a Jew. She was put out because she was deemed guilty by association. But she willingly left her place of nobility, the place of honor, because of her love, because of who she chose to be connected to, which is probably why she connected so deeply to Jesus, who willingly left his place of nobility, his place of honor in heaven because of his love, because of who he chose to be connected to, to us. I mean, come on, somebody, that ought to flip somebody's lid right there. That Jesus left the perfection of heaven. He left the glory of heaven so that he could come to a filthy, sinful earth, so that he could die a sinner's death for you and for me, so that we could be connected to him. 
that one brings up a lot of a lot of things right away. But the first thing that pops up to me, and I, you know, foreshadowed earlier about the fact that I feel like she and I connect a lot, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that she married somebody who was Jew and was forced out was forced out because of that and had to, to leave and, and find somewhere else. And in my own personal relationship, um, I fell in love with and, and married somebody who had a lot of baggage. Mm. Um, maybe not the same connection as being Jewish and being forced out for that, but had a lot of baggage that was labeled for. Um, I was told this isn't a good relationship. This isn't going to be healthy. This is going to be wrong. You need to not get involved with somebody like this. They're just going to bring you down, all these things. So I felt like her in the sense that she chose the man that she loved and was going to follow, stick with, come come good, bad, all the, all the things that you promise to each other when you get married. And that's exactly how I was with, with my husband. Um, he came from a, a divorce situation. He had kids from another marriage and there was all of that. My grandmother warned me. She didn't want me to get caught up and didn't want my kids to feel second best. And my parents weren't happy because he was involved. And when we got involved, he, his divorce wasn't yet final. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just like all of these things. And I followed him. I, I left town. We moved away. We wanted to start a clean slate together. We left. We're going to start a whole new whole new life together. It wasn't until we moved back after a couple of years that life started to get a little crazy for us. And because of my decision to leave and to stay with him, I did. I lost friends. I lost connections because of association. Only to realize in the as things passed, um, my husband had to work through some stuff and I was going to be there by his side. Maybe it's that teacher in me. Maybe it's that compassionate, empathetic person in me. But I was going to help see him win his successes. And he did. And he became a stronger, better person. And I look back on all those trials and I think it was all worth it. It was worth every dark, deep area that we ever had to be. It was worth struggles. It was worth the loss of those individuals who just didn't want to see the good in somebody, all they could see was the bad. All they could see was the labels they stuck on people. And when they stick a label on somebody, they don't realize that that's just a label. It it doesn't mean what's really in their heart. It's not what's really that person. Sometimes you have to dig past all of that to find out what's going on with that individual. And I I came to know somebody who is phenomenal in, in my husband. And he is a wonderful father, a wonderful support to all of his kids and to to me and to his friends and to his faith. He's taught me more about my faith than I ever learned anywhere else. Um, And she, I I feel like Priscilla went through a lot of that as she left. I came from a middle class, somewhat affluent, well-established family. And I left off with somebody who was not considered quality. Yeah. You know, and that's so hard. And I would, I could not imagine, but I just knew it was right. You just know it was right. And through all of that, through all those things that I went through, the one constant I know I had was prayer. And I knew at times I was with, and I was out of uh, communication with Jesus. I was not the best Jesus person I needed to be during all that. And it was those times that I went to him most 
when I needed him most. I didn't often go back and thank him for the blessings that I got or the successes that happened, you know. Um, and I feel like I'm rambling, so I do apologize. But those are the things that were like coming forefront. Yeah, you know, for sure. every time I think about that, because I'm like, yeah, I left when she did. I walked away from everything I had and, and all the, the easiness I could have had in my life. But I was never one to do anything easy. Yeah. I was never one to do that. So she definitely took a big path in that direction and leaving and leaving everything she had, you know. But I kind of yeah. feel like. You know, listening to you talk about labels and generalities and stereotypes, I feel like we're, you know, we're certainly at that place in our global culture mm-hmm. now where, you know, it it doesn't seem like anything is outside the reach of stereotyping or dissension or divisiveness that we just want, we want to be enemies with everybody. Like we, we want, if you're this, I'm going to, and you look like this or you shop like this or you... I don't know, vote like this, then you're one of those people and you're opposite of me and I want you out, mm-hmm. right? I want you off of my timeline on Facebook or I want you out of my clubhouse or I want you out of my town or I want you out of my country and like everyone wants to throw everybody out like Priscilla and Aquila got thrown out. Like I feel like we just, we want everyone that doesn't include it in our homogeny, mm-hmm. making that up. Nope, homogeny is a word, right? Mm-hmm. Like we want everyone that doesn't, that isn't us to get out. Mm-hmm. Get out. Yeah. It's such a complex world right now and there's so much more that people have access to that they never did before. It was so easy to be involved in things that were so much like you. And I think growing up that's what was encouraged. Maybe not intended to be negative, but it was comfort. Right. You know, um we don't want to see you struggle, we don't want to see you hurt, we want to see you. So you need to stay within this kind. You don't want to be by this kind. Um, I used to joke, and this could get me into trouble, but I used to joke that um, if I stayed here, I would I would never mature. I would never, I'd be caught and stuck in certain ways. Mm. I knew I needed to travel. I traveled a lot when I was in college due to sports. I was very active in, in a couple sports. And so in doing that, that got me ability to go all over the place, statewide, outside of the state, and so on. Rich and I love to travel together. The best thing I could have done was have lived somewhere else for a few years, which Mm -hmm. is exactly what I did. But I think in doing that, it opened up my eyes to other people, other cultures, other ways. You see how much is similar, yet you see the differences that make it so awesomely unique that you want to take the good of that and make it your own. Um, these labels, I can't deal with labels. I have some very good friends who um, study human dynamics and human nature and things. And so a lot of times you hear different labels and I understand there's some, there's some balances to it. Um, you'll talk about an extrovert who's sensitive and has feelings or introverted, this, that, or whatever, or they're this type of a person. Growing up, it used to be yuppies and you know geeks and all those different traits. And I think one day, or once, or it was a two weeks ago or so, you read through that whole list. Yeah. Remember, of all the different. Right. And how true is that, right? Only now we have a global dynamic right. that we do that too. And it's really, really hard. And the, the biggest thing is people don't ask questions and they become afraid to get to know. They want to right away look at what the cover looks like and not see what's inside the book, so to speak. Right. You know, so, um, I mean, when I first met you, 
And it was so evident. You had the longer beard, the tattoos. And I'm like, he looks like he's a fun, you know, kind of a fun. But if I'd have seen you anywhere else, I'd have been like, what's up with that guy? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yep. that was just part of how I grew up or part of my mentality. And I'm like, really, dude? Like the beard? Are you a little old for that? Or are you right. something? You know what I mean? Yep. But Wait, knowing you, it all fits that. <laughs> But this is like, but these are the things that were said to me. Well, that's the end of our show today. (laughs) What did I say to you when I got here? I'm like, I hope you're growing that thing back because it's just like, you know, it's not, it's who you are. But again, you can't judge a book by its cover, right? Right. I get purple in my hair or blue or teal. And I'm like in my fifties and people go, really? And I'm like, why not? I couldn't when I was younger. Well, why not? Because I was told it would be inappropriate. Not right. You couldn't express yourself. People can express themselves now and people aren't comfortable with that. You know, it's just an expression. It's a feeling. It's it's whatever it is. Yeah. But I, I struggle with labels very much so. So mm-hmm. I know my one friend says I'm an ENFJ and I say, well, I'm an A-type personality dominant. So there you go. And she'll, <laughs> if she listens to this, she'll understand what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. And while he did that, Priscilla and Aquila, they started a house church where Priscilla regularly taught Jesus to the Gentiles and to the believers in the city. And she was such an effective leader and teacher that when Paul moved on to Jerusalem, he left her in charge of the Ephesian church. And and she served as the principal leader and the primary teacher, which can be somewhat confusing to some traditional Christians, particularly some traditional Christian men. In the evangelical news, right, because they're they're really struggling with this idea of women in leadership, and there's this woman named Beth Moore who's actually a really accomplished teacher, and you know, I mean, clearly loves Jesus and clearly is hungry for the truth of the gospel and proclaiming the gospel, and like, I mean, they, but the Southern Baptist Conference is like, you can't, you know, preach or whatever, and so uh, we were at. Elsie uh, downtown last night, and there's a couple of old people, even older than you. Um, that are there and one of them Jim Baumkamp I just said that not really because Jill doesn't look old at all but like she said that thing about me being old and now I'm, my feelings are hurt and I'm no like, oh, it was supposed to be aren't you a little bit old for that what I don't aren't know. we like the same age come on yeah, <laughs> anyway there's this guy that's even older than us uh, and he used to be a preacher and mm-hmm. uh, he said you know my whole life I had thought that same way that that women shouldn't be allowed to teach men but hearing what Sean had to say about Priscilla and you know, the context of the scripture verse that talks about women teaching, like, I think I'm rethinking that. And I thought that was really cool that, you know, a guy that's whatever, 60, whatever he is, you know, is still learning and still growing. And um, I never had a problem with that. Like, it always was confusing to me. Maybe it was growing up Catholic and I had so many teachers who were female. Like, I mean, I had so many nuns that were teachers, right? And like, so, I mean, no one had a problem with them teaching me arithmetic, mm-hmm. you know? And so... um I don't know, like, I, got, I don't know, I feel like this is a stupid question. So I feel like I know full well where you're going to stand. But, like, because Jill's a pretty independent, fierce Italian woman. And so, like, I feel like the idea of women preaching or women teaching is, you know, right on her radar. But was it, was it a, like, was it weird to you growing up? Like, the idea that there couldn't be women priests or that there couldn't be women deacons or oh. even that when at our age, you, you there couldn't even be female altar boys, right? Like that that wasn't even a thing. Was that weird to you? Weird would not be how I would describe it. Angry is how I would describe it. It mm. angered me. It frustrated me. Maybe frustration's a better word. I used to joke, my mom would say, why don't you become a nun? And I'd be like, 
no way. Because the most I could ever get to was mother nun. And I said, I'm not, I want that. I said, if I'm going to get into the vocation, I'll be the first female pope. And she used to laugh at me and I'd say, no. I said, that's where I can make a difference. That's where you can make a change. I said, you got to be head of all of this to make a change. This is like ridiculous. I was a big proponent for um, a priest to be allowed to, should they feel, to enter into marriage, to, to have a relationship. Um, I could never understand the dynamic that they wouldn't allow for that option. I always struggled with that, even with some of my fellow catechists that were very, very strong in their faith all their lives. In fact, two of my greater mentors were used to be a nun and a priest, and they met and ended up needing to leave the vocation because they were in love and made education mm. their dedication. And I mean, they were you phenomenal people. Wasn't that awesome? That's a big alliteration. Yeah. Well, can't even call it an alliteration because no, yeah, that's at the end, end of the of words. The word, yeah. yeah, what would that be? We'll figure <laughs> that one out for the end. That's a question for everybody to call back in with. Okay, or answer back. Anyway, so no, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't weird. I struggled with it because I always wanted more. I felt women had so much to offer. Then I had the blessing of working for a local tribe. And it was sort of like I, I kid to my husband, I said, they have it right. They're the ones who understand in their culture, the women are revered. The women are the life givers. They're the ones who make the decisions. They, they consensus, they focus on everything. And it's, that's who they put into their positions of structure of hierarchy you know that's who they would like to see because they understand the dynamics of what women have the ability to do not always to say that they're totally equal to man but when it comes to knowledge and understanding and when it comes to being able to teach and to share that's not anything that has to do with like brute strength and we can have the argument do women belong in the army and all that you know is it true are they true equals well no that's a completely different argument but when it comes to an intellectual discussion when it comes to intellectuals um i i believe that women are just as much if not sometimes more because of the ability that we have to give life there's a whole different emotional component there that we understand just from being able to have life grow inside of us and then to deliver it and to be the, the primary nurturers in most cases. So no, it never, it was never weird. It frustrated me. And that's, some of my biggest heroes are, are women who are of strength and they don't even make huge, huge, you know, impacts, but they are just super confident and they believe in themselves and they, they have that ability to make a difference that way. And Priscilla was like that. She was able to take that on and, and do that. And it, it didn't phase her. She had that confidence in her, but she had such also a strong faith with Jesus. She was such a great Jesus person in that, that right. it was just second nature for her. And that's probably how it just came across, mm. you know, which made it so enveloping. It's like when you talk, seriously, Scott, you are such a phenomenal Jesus person that it's like so magnetic. I, I mean, I could sit and, and I know you're going to like shake your head on this, but I could sit and talk and listen and, and gab about Jesus and all day long with you because it's just... I feel like the sponge that learns so much from you. And mm. I just love what you emanate. Your aura is just phenomenal when it comes to being a Jesus person. And I strive to be even a part of that right now as I am growing in my Jesus journey. And I see where Priscilla went and these churches that are popping up. And right now, Life Church um, downtown, 
I kind of see us as a big pop-up church in a way, yeah. right? Yep. We kind of like, I want to say started that trend, but that's how I kind of feel. And then COVID hit and we were all isolated and we decided, forget that. We have technology. So we right. jumped to Zoom and that's what we were using. And I felt like we never disconnected. Yeah. It was really, really awesome. And then we started our community group on Thursday night. Right. And that is just like great. So we still have all of those little bitty pop-ups, the same way that people left with Priscilla and that and started their own little pop-ups. I think that is just, I think of a pop-up too is like just even within your own family over a dinner. Yeah. It doesn't have to be some formal gathering. It could just be your own family where you get together on a Sunday night or a Monday night or a Tuesday night or yeah. whatever day ends and why. And right. you have a little conversation about it. You know, it could be something about the day. That's a pop-up church. Call it what you want. It's a pop-up. Yep. You know, do we have to put church to it? Sure. I'll be honest. I, I said to my husband one day, I said, I wish we didn't call unchurches our slogan downtown. <laughs> it is. And I don't like calling it church. I, I, I said, he goes, well, that's what it is. And I said, but it doesn't feel like that to me. And that's not what I want to be a part of. If we're going to be a church, quotation marks in the air right now, I, I, that's not where I want to be. I want to be where it's free. It's, it's open. It's, it's a message. Can't we just call it service or message or something different than that? Can't we just call it unchurch? I mean, that's what it is. We're, we're not, we're, we're not like a traditional anything, right. Right. you know? And then uh, he's like, well, that's what it is. <laughs> so I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Rich is kind of no-nonsense. I digressed. <laughs> and, and so Priscilla, she's left in charge of this fledgling church, and she taught anyone who would listen. And she was successful. So successful that out of the church they set up in their house, scores of other people started to set up churches in their homes so that they could reach their friends and their family with the message of Jesus, so that they could bring Jesus to people who wouldn't go to a traditional religious service. So I feel like that's what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. That that's probably what's keeping people away from church is this mm-hmm. idea of, oh, I know what church looks like because I've got these labels or there's shorthand in my head. Mm-hmm. But I know if I'm going to church, there's kneelers or there's holy waters or there's, you know, incense or there's candles or there's raising hands or there's, you know, speaking in tongues or whatever your background was in church. When you think of church, that's what you think of. Mm-hmm. And so and that's and for a lot of people, for some people, there's comfort in that. And, you know, they, they can they can weed through the distractions of the accessories, right? And get, you know, get to this thing. But a lot of people cannot, that they just felt like that's just going through a bunch of motions and it didn't mean anything to me. So when you say, why don't you come to church? The first thing that pops into their head is like the dissatisfaction that they grew up with in church. And so this idea of doing church differently or in homes or something like this isn't like a new idea. This is, in fact, the original idea of church. Mm-hmm. Like get together with the people that you know or the people you feel safe with. And, you know, COVID has put us in those places that those are the people that we feel safe getting next to. Mm-hmm. The people that we know where they've been. Right. They know we know that they're safe. And so we're going to get together with them. Mm-hmm. So that's COVID. But that's also where they started churches, you know, in the first century. And why couldn't church look like that? Like why? Like you said, why can't we invite our family over on a Tuesday, Monday, Friday, Thursday? Just then I thought of that scene uh, in The Godfather <clears throat> where it was Michael's first wife. I can't remember her name. Um, <gasps> Did it start with a V? No, wasn't it Mir? Oh, God, where's Rich when I need him? He's the Godfather expert. Anyway, It'll come I'm, to I'm us. I'm going to find out that She's name. a teacher. <laughs> right. So no, no, so not Kate. 
So oh, his not first Kate. wife is the, is oh, the late girl um, that he meets the in the Italian Italy. one. Um, right. Apollo- not uh, Apollonia. Yeah, 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 Apollonia. And so, like, and she's like going to go back to America with mm-hmm. him. And so she's like practicing her English Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. <laughs> Anyway, I just thought of that. That was a long way to go for that. But anyway, why can't we get together on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, right? Why, right. Right? And just have church. Like, church mm-hmm. has nothing to do. This, I'm going to step on some toes here. But church has, church has nothing to do with sacraments. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with smoke machines or mm-hmm. rock bands or or pastors in, you know, $150 Mm-mm. sneakers, right? That That's not what church is about. Mm-hmm. That we were talking about this last night at LC downtown. That really the purpose of church, right, is to build each other up and to be there and hear mm-hmm. each other. And we also talked a little bit about it at church last night. Is that um, is that church is about community and mm-hmm. community shares a root word with communication, right? And so they're the, they're the so if you go to church and you don't communicate with anybody, well then had you really been to church? Mm-mm. I don't think you did. Mm-mm. You know, and so yeah, I think there's another C word that comes into all of those traditionals and that's comfort. Mm. They know it's expected. You knew if you walked into mass on a Saturday night or a Sunday at any time in, in uh, the Catholic faith and even in the Lutheran faith, any of those that had the structural building and they had a, a set, you know, you had your readings, you knew when you had to stand, when you had to sit, you know, you had the prayers, maybe you had to memorize, maybe you used a book. Um, but it, there were a lot of consistent comforts that you knew you could zone out on or you could focus on and whatnot. And what was the biggest complaint, the biggest complaint that I would always hear from as soon as I could understand older, oh, boy, father sure did talk a lot today, didn't he? And then it was, oh, I got nothing out of that message. How, how is that even supposed to pertain to me? Like this prodigal son thing. I mean, I just don't get that. We're, doesn't even relate to me, relate it to today for me, you know? Well, I think that's, the beauty of what we do with our community, with our our service time, our message that we have on Sunday nights, is we have the ability to listen to two individuals who share the message, who share that part of what was what was read. Right now, we're hopefully going to get to Romans, but I'll tell you what, I'm having quite the lesson going, the history yeah. lesson going on with Sean, um, stuff that. I know I had heard in, as you know, in the, in the Catholic church, they read the Bible over a three-year time span. Right. So you do get all of it. But honestly, there's parts that we're going through and I'm like, I, well, I kind of remember that. I never yeah. took that out of that. So when you, as we're getting into this eventual letter, which probably will be next July, um, <laughs> love you, Sean. It should but be anyway. It's fantastic. It, I mean, if you are like the history person, there's so many things that he's able to connect and then you bring to the community that we are because you know us, we know each other. Right. The ability to then have that time to discuss it after is something that I can remember driving home in the car and trying to want to talk about stuff. And my parents not even really knowing and uncomfortable even wanting to have the discussion. So it was just, oh, Jill, just yeah, just deal with it. This is just what was said. You know, I, I don't even know how to answer your questions. You know, I'd be like, okay, well, guess I'll try to find somebody down the line. Nope, I want them going out to play. See ya, you know. Right, and yeah, it'd just be kind of yeah. like laughed. And then like a couple years later, you'd hear the same thing or, or something else would come up. So no, I... Those are the biggest things I always remembered. Yeah, there was that comfort. You knew when you could zone out, you could zone in 
in, in the faith. And I went to other services with, with friends of mine who were of other faiths. And my husband grew up Southern Baptist. You want to talk about a role there, Southern Baptist to Lutheran to Roman Catholic to now we're sort of back into a, a wonderful mix of everything. Yeah. But, um, the ability to talk, the ability to communicate, like you said, you're gonna get what you give. If you give your ears, you're gonna get, because maybe it's something that you just need to sit back and listen that particular time, that particular Sunday that we sit and have meal and then we listen to the message and you just listen to everybody around you. Maybe it's a time for healing for somebody because something really hits home, sort of the way some of these did and not trying to talk super personal about my own life, but the connections that I could make with this, the map markers through this whole sermon yesterday and last week and stuff with Sean, it's amazing to me. And that might be what somebody gets out of it. You don't have to necessarily have the the conversation in community. Sometimes it just comes from being able to hear and being able to watch somebody else. One of the things that we talk about with our ministry team is how best to reach people by telling stories. That's what people always did. That's how everybody learned. That's how history has been passed on. That's how you understand each other is by sharing. And how else are you going to know Jesus better than by hearing about how maybe he's come into somebody else's life or how he's always been in somebody's life or how he's been in and out of somebody's life. He's been in and out of my life a ton because I didn't always let him in. Yeah. And I know that. And there are times now that I don't always want to let him in, you know, but that's where I can sit back and just listen. And sometimes I just need him to do the talking. And I get that when I sit in communion time, the community component of our conversations that we have. It's just, I I wish I could find a really excellent way to help people understand, to even just let them give it a try. And, And unfortunately, once usually isn't enough, do it like two or three times. And then you start to really see how different it is and how strong, whether you want to admit to it or not, your own faith, your own time with Jesus might become. Mm. And I've seen it in some people. I've seen it in my kids, and that's amazing. And I've seen it in other people that are part of our group or who have sat at our table and been part of our the leadership that Rich and I try to take team off of at our tables. It, it's phenomenal. And I think that that... That's how Jesus taught. That's how Jesus did it. He sat up on a mountain and talked to 5,000. Right. Just talked. He had nothing planned, nothing scripted. I didn't come out with no cards today. Right. You didn't come out with no cards. Right. No but you're good at that. No, no. no. Yeah. Just told stories or, or shared how he was feeling from his heart. That's what we all do. That's what I think is really cool. And Paul would later write about him to the Corinthians when he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And that watering by Apollos, it it would never have been possible had Priscilla not stepped out in faith to correct him. Which when she did, it was significant because it wasn't just a woman correcting a man. It was a Gentile correcting a Jewish apostle. So in his writing in the book of Acts, Luke is revealing how Paul not only actively opposed the belief that only Jews could communicate the message of Jesus, he also opposed the belief that only men could. 
Paul taught that Gentiles and women could preach and teach the message of Jesus. And both of those truths, both of those dynamics were presented in the person of Priscilla. I feel like a lot of us don't want to talk about our faith or don't want to, I don't know, even like raise the topic, not because we're embarrassed of Jesus or embarrassed by the gospel, but because we feel like we're not qualified to do it. That, you know, we're not priests, we're not pastors, we're not preachers, we're not, you know, reverends. Like, I don't have any, I don't have any qualifications to share anything about Jesus Christ. But I feel like this example of Priscilla is like, yeah, because I mean, not only was she not a Jew and a Gentile, she was a woman and not a man. Like there was, there was already two big hits against her that she shouldn't have been qualified to say anything. Mm-hmm. And yet she schooled, educated, corrected a Jewish man, right? Like one of the greatest, as Sean alludes to, one of the greatest, you know, evangelists of that period. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for, for Paul to point that out or for the book of Acts to point that out, like I love that. I love that because I feel like that gives us power because just like you were just talking about, this is where that happens. And just telling your story or just, it's got nothing to do with knowing scripture front to back. Like, I feel like we should, we should, we should know scripture, but I'm mm-hmm. not so sure that we should have memorized scripture. Like, I feel like that's a nice thing to have, but it's not a critical thing to have. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know, because there's people that can do that, right? But then there's some people that can do that, but like have no idea what it means. Mm-hmm. You know, that they can tell you all the things that, Paul says in his letters to the church in Galatia, but like don't know what it means or don't have any context. And that's one of the reasons why I like this sermon or this sermon series is because he's giving us context for each of those letters or each of those churches and mm-hmm. context for Paul. Mm-hmm. And so if you're if you're not sharing your faith because you think you're not qualified, I think you're, you're really greatly missing out because we're called to do that. We talk all the time at LC Downtown how we are called to love mm-hmm. and love and go love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. Love our neighbors as ourselves, and go into the nations and make disciples of all men. And like, there's none of those three things that we can leave off. Mm-hmm. And you can't make disciples if you're not telling your story. And you know your story better than anyone. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that is amazing. As my brain goes in another direction, because now I totally forgot what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> let me think on that. It was oh, growing up. Um, I agree with you. There are times that that I don't quote feel qualified, air quotes again. Um, and I struggle with it because I can remember at some point in my life holding up high these individuals who could spout off scripture. Like that was some kind of weaponized ace up their sleeves. In fact, one of my classes in high school I remember one of our tests and our quizzes had to do with, there was 15 different scripture passages, quotes, chapters, that this particular teacher felt were critical we had to know. And throughout the year, probably three different times, we were quizzed on them. And if we had a word wrong, if we had the chapter and the verse wrong or whatever, we never knew which ones it was going to be, but we always had to know these like specific ones. And um, I can remember us practicing at lunch in the cafeteria, like trying to quiz each other and memorize these things. And it did me no good. It was just a rote memory thing for that one year. We, we talked about some of them, but it, it didn't help me in my Jesus journey. It didn't help me in being able to have a conversation with somebody. I mean, what good does it help me to throw out 
you know, Corinthians this or what, nothing, because somebody who I do that to, if they are more knowledgeable about the Bible than I am, are going to come back with like seven other ones and then I'm going to be lost. I'm going to be like, oh, I'm out of bullets. I I don't know what to tell you. Um, And I can remember watching evangelical preachers uh, in the morning on Sundays or, you know, whatever goofy times they'd come on. And I I was curious as to how they would preach from the pulpit, the, you know, fire and brimstone mentality. And they would quote these things and they'd come off and they'd go like they'd say and, you know, whatever. And one of the things I love about uh, two of my, my my new very best friends, Dave and Jim, boy, can they, what, what passage is that? Oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. And you're right. like, oh, you know, and I sit there and I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I have no clue where you guys came up with that. But I don't feel, and I've never felt like, I think it's important to know the Bible, but I don't think it's important to recite the Bible. I don't think it's important to be able to know exactly what chapter and what verse. I suppose if I read the Bible every year from cover to cover for the next 10 years, in 11 years, I would be able to do that for somebody. But if I can't live what the message is, if I can't show what the message is, if I can't help somebody else understand what the message is, then what good is it for me to know all the words? Yeah. Words mean nothing. Actions mean everything. And so for me, that's that's a lot where that goes to. Yeah, that's good. That reminds me of a quote uh, I got from uh, D.L. Moody from the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Uh, he says, out of 100 men, one will read the Bible and the other 99 will read the Christian." Mm-hmm. So like, like uh, for me, I have to live in such a way that, you know, people see the Bible in the way that I live, even though I don't know where it is mm-hmm. exactly in the Bible, where it says the thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But if I live that way, yeah, you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm in good shape. You know, it's amazing to me. It was in, in high school. It was in high school. We had a Christian band, young guy and it was, I think it was Tom Franzik. I think that's how his last name was. I have the cassette tape that's, you know, nice. old. Yeah, I wow. still, yeah. And uh, there was a song um, that whenever I'm stuck on something, I don't know why, but that song always comes to my head. Mm. And it, it talks about how, Father, you knew me before my mother's womb, but what you're asking is way too much too soon. That's how the song goes. And it says, I'm not a preacher or a speaker. I'm much too young and full of fear. But I know that you'll speak through me in spite of my young years. So wherever you send me, whatever you want me to say, I trust that you will put me there. And as we go through the series with Sean, that song resonates every single time in my head or throughout the week as I'm reflecting on it, because that's what Paul did. That's what Priscilla did. And that's what I'm supposed to do. But yet that fear you're like, I'll admit, even coming here today, I'm like, I don't know quite what I'm going to say and how we're going to go off of some of these topics, but I'm just going to speak from whatever comes to my head. So in my head, I was kind of singing that song because that's the one thing that's always calmed me down because I know I just have to trust. If I don't know a situation, I just have to trust that God's going to be there and walk me through it because yeah. for whatever reason, he's put it in my path. Sean talks about the starts and the stops in our lives, and I'd never even put that together that way Hmm. but when you think about the starts and the stops it's what you do at those stops that's so amazing that that's where the free will comes into play what direction am I going to go in you know 
And hopefully I am, as I walk in this new Jesus life, the inspirational one that I've had recent, I'm making the right directional changes. But it's not been easy. I have definitely found myself battling, not wanting to, but I know it's it's there to take that path. Like what relationships haven't been forged? What degrees haven't been pursued? What businesses haven't been started? Like who's decided they couldn't follow Jesus because of their background or their record or their lineage? Couldn't follow Jesus because of the struggles or their addictions? Like who's decided that they they couldn't step foot in the church because if they did, the roof would cave in? Well, hey, God didn't cause this pandemic, but maybe this shutdown is just for you. Maybe God loves you and wants to be in relationship with you so much that he decided. If you won't come to church, he'd lead us to bring the church to you. He'd have the church start popping up in houses and backyards, coffee shops, cigar lounges, and golf course clubhouses just for people like you. Because people like you, you've always been the purpose. Paul's purpose, Jesus' purpose, and Life Church purpose. This one takes me down two different paths. I feel that the end of Sean's comments there. For me, this time with the lockdown, the shutdown, the COVID, whatever labels we need to give it for people has been a time of healing and rejuvenation. There have been some things in my past that I've needed to just let go of. And this time has helped me to find a way to do that. There have been some new challenges that I have found the strength to tackle those. Um, When I reflect back, back as I'm thinking about his beginning comments on that one you know who said you couldn't do this you couldn't do that a lot of people in my life in my past have said you're a girl you can't do that or that's not for you that's not the right people you need to hang out with or you know between parents and grandparents and mentors and other people always trying to direct and tell you where you needed to go Never saying, try it and I'll be there to help you or I'll be there to encourage you. And if you fail, that's okay. Failure wasn't always an option. And I think that that was for me a struggle because I always wanted to try, but I never felt like I had anybody behind me to say, well, if you fail, it's okay, we'll try again. And I was told no a lot of times. I was told, don't even bother. Don't even go there. We're not gonna support that. And I found that driving my life in the directions and decisions I made as a woman and as a mother, and and that bothered me. But I fought it. That's why I was always defiant and rebellious, and that's how I got labeled. I was proud to wear those labels. But then I realized those labels weren't a bad label for me to wear at all because I wasn't willing to be put down by people. I was being put down by people who didn't know the gifts and talents that Jesus gave me and the reasons why he put me, the purpose that I was here for. Um, so there was, there was that in the beginning, like who are all these people? And that started bringing up a lot of things uh, for me and in our relationship with Rich and I and where we've come, where we've gone and where we're going. Um, I know I just had another brain leak, so I can't remember where I was going to go with it. I love how Sean leaves us on this notion that we are the purpose. We're the Mm -hmm. purpose for Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. 
Like, I mean, there's a quote somewhere that if if we were the only if we were the only pe- person on earth, he would have still come down and given his life for us. Like that we are his purpose. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't think that way. We think that someone else is the purpose. Mm-hmm. That, that faith is for somebody else because we're not worthy or we're not worth it or we're not, you know, something. And when I think about the purpose of church is to, is to, is to reach out to those people, to have community with those people and let them know that they are the purpose and that they mm-hmm. are worthy and that they mm-hmm. are worthwhile and that they matter mm-hmm. and that they're seen and that they're heard. You know, and because there's just too many people that the system, the religious system, chews up and spits out, or mm-hmm. just you know, like a bad vacuum cleaner doesn't even pick up in the first place. Yep. You know, and so they just get left behind. And like those misfits, those marginalized people, that's who Jesus was all about. You know, when I think about Life Church, and even more specifically Life Church downtown, man, talk about the island of misfit toys, man. There's you know, the bob in the box and the square wheeled wagon and the, I don't know, the doll that can't cry or something. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. But anyway, like yep. that, man, this church is full of that, right? Where if you think you can't come to church because you're not perfect enough or you're not wearing the right clothes or you're in this weird relationship situation or, yeah. you know, you can't stop drinking, you can't stop shooting or gambling or looking at dirty pictures, like whatever you think your thing is that you're not welcome here, that's those things aren't. That's not here. That's not. That's not Life Church. That's not Life Church downtown. Like it's like, hey, let's come and let's figure this out. Like mm-hmm. if you feel like you're broken, there's a reason why you feel like you're broken, or you're not complete. Let's let's complete each other. Yeah. Right. Without judgment, without you know labels, without categorizations. Right. Like just come. It's like because we're all we've all got our garbage. Mm-hmm. And so, if part of your definition of church is one where you don't feel like you could belong because you're not perfect enough. Jesus didn't call the perfect. In fact, the only p- people that Jesus was mad about in the Bible were like the people that thought that they were perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was hanging with everybody else. The ones who labeled everybody else are the ones that he took he took a target at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For he sure. definitely was very angry with those. And yeah, that's exactly what what faith and and church and community is about. That's exactly what it's about. And it goes back to that, you know, judging the book by its cover. Somebody walks in or or sits down at your table and, you know, they're there for a reason. God, you know, he's put you guys together. And it's always such an awesome thing, such an awesome thing. The things that you learn from each other and, and the stories that you share and the, the things that you find you have in common and the things that you don't, the things that you learn that you didn't know before. That's that's the thing that I just love about Life Church downtown, sincerely. And, and even like having just these conversations, never in a million years would I have ever thought that we would have been, you know, sitting down to discuss stuff like this and then share it openly with whoever wants to listen or whoever follows or go back and replay and, yeah. you know, however you uh, edit and, and adjust and move on and make this so beautiful as we get done with this. But yeah, I um, definitely, he... He did not ever seek out, and I know we talked about that a couple weeks ago too, and we always referenced that growing up, the tax collectors and the bums and the, the right. people who are lost and the ones that fought, and that's who he called to because he knew they were real. They were genuine. You know, I could never, 
I, I don't do that today. I, I couldn't live with a, a, a mask on. That's not me. It's not comfortable. Yeah. You know, there, we had this podcast a while ago, uh, a pastor and a rabbi walk into a cultural crisis and, I was there when uh, Pastor Sean sat down with Rabbi Matt Rosenberg, and you know they talked about a lot of things. And we were talking about this topic in particular about mm-hmm. how Jesus, you know, was okay having dinner with the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and the drunks because they knew that they were broken. They knew that they were sinners, and he didn't sit down with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the whatever sees, right? Because they were sinners but didn't know it, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, like, like they didn't accept the fact that there that there wasn't anything that they could do. To, to redeem themselves of their sin. That, in fact, it was because he came and the things that he did that were our redemption. And so they thought, well, I'm just going to follow the law. And, mm-hmm. you know, but, I mean, that's what the whole gospel message is about. And that's why it's good news, the gospel is good news, for the people who are drunks and tax collectors and prostitutes and over-shoppers and over-swearers or over-drinkers or over-druggers or whatever. Whatever your mm-hmm. thing is where you feel like you're not qualified, they make you perfectly qualified for church. Anyway, Joe, this was fantastic. That's so true. You did I hope great. so. You did did I? Yeah. No note cards, and I should have, because now I'm thinking about some of my answers, but that's oh, okay. I think your answers were great. Well, I appreciate that, I would have that, stopped Scott. the recording if you sucked. So... <laughs> You didn't suck. <laughs> I appreciate so, that, buddy. Anyway, we're glad that you guys could join us. I hope Definitely. that Jill comes back again sometime. That would be fantastic. Anytime. I would love to be um, here. So if you enjoyed this uh, podcast, please share it with uh, people that you know that may need to hear that, the, the words that we shared. Or if you can, please uh, leave a review or subscribe to our podcast and all your favorite podcast channels. This has been Chew on That. We're glad that you could join us. We'll see you again next time. Oh.